Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Good morning to you. Welcoming you along to Thursday's edition of the programme. John Paul uh, taking your calls at 1850 Anything you want to share with us uh, today, we'd love to hear from you. You can also, of course, contact us via text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And the text and the WhatsApp, always a great way to make contact with us, especially at times when the phone lines get a bit busy and uh, people get frustrated when they can't get through. So feel free to use the text and the WhatsApp and emails. We take emails all the time as well and we check them throughout the morning Patricia at c103.ie Now yesterday morning actually around this time we were getting some calls in from people asking would there be pedestrian access to Mallow Bridge because we knew that from Monday work was starting on Mallow Bridge this is to do with the new boardwalk the work is going to continue until the end of August and part of the bridge is closed off to traffic while the work is underway we were unsure what was happening for pedestrians but we got it checked and we did get the answer back uh, late yesterday so we're only getting to it now pedestrian access will remain open throughout the works going on on Mallow Bridge and while the lane is closed to traffic. So don't be panicking if you think you're not going to be able to walk over the bridge, you will. But there was a little bit of traffic chaos yesterday and from what I can gather it was more to do with people not realising that one lane of traffic over the bridge was closed to traffic and that you had to divert. Even though, in fairness, there was signs up saying that as and from Monday the, you would have to detour. One of the lanes would be closed off to traffic. But I think what may have caused the confusion was it said the closure was starting on Monday and yet it was open to traffic Monday and Tuesday. It seemed to only have kicked in yesterday and I think that's what caused confusion. People who took a chance on Monday or Tuesday and discovered it was open were taking the chance yesterday so it was a bit of bedlam for a time but it did get sorted. So just to let people know there are traffic detours in operation if you need to travel over the bridge in Mallow, but pedestrian access is fine. 1850 Now, this morning on the programme, we're going to go back to, in a couple of minutes, to the farmers' protest outside the APB meat factory in Bandon. We had a lot of commentary yesterday on this and we heard from a lot of farmers. And I liked yesterday the way we, fa- we heard from 
farmers who were both at the protest and farmers who, w- who weren't at the protest. But we went across the generations from young farmers to older farmers. I mean, Dennis, who spoke to us say, yesterday, was in Dennis from uh, Formoy. I mean, he just got so emotional talking about the way his industry and his life is going because he can't get a decent price for his cattle when he takes them to to the factory and then we had a younger farmer who spoke to us and and great to see young farmers still involved because we need James and Butterfield spoke to us we need the young farmers in order to keep farming alive in this country but you could even sense the frustration in his voice anyway we're going to go back and speak once again on the programme to somebody from the Beef Plan Movement the Beef Plan Movement are the group that are organising the protests outside the APB plant in Bandon. They've been there I think since Sunday night. They're doing a 24-hour protest and that's a huge huge undertaking to do a 24-hour protest. So I'm interested to hear as well I know when we were speaking with Helen O'Driscoll yesterday, one of the farmer from Bantry, she had said at one stage that a rep was coming out from the meat factory to talk to the farmers and she was talking with us so we didn't hear didn't get to hear what the rep had to say so I'd be interested to hear what the rep has has to say there because I know when we asked them for a statement they issued us with a statement but it was through Meat Industry Ireland and they you know once again they're pointing to the UK they're pointing to the uncertainty around Brexit and they're saying that that's one of the problems that they're they can't give the price to farmers today because processors are saying that UK retailers are increasingly unwilling to confirm their beef needs for the autumn and that's to do with the uncertainty of uh, Brexit. But I thought it was also interesting in the statement to see Meat Industry Ireland say that they don't deny the fact that farmers are under significant pressure and that the price paid today, they say, is reflective of, of the market. But they are admitting that farmers are under significant pressure. And certainly any of the farmers who spoke to us yesterday, it's, it's, it's just fairness is what they want. They seem to be the only ones in the chain who are losing out. I mean, certainly consumers are not gaining from this. There isn't a huge glut of very cheap meat when you go to the supermarket or the butcher. So somewhere in between the farmer who was the primary producer who's putting all the work in to raising the cattle, you know, and feeding them and getting them to the factory. And then it's at that point from there to when it ends up in the housewife's basket or the house husband's basket, whoever's buying the meat. It's somewhere in between that the profit seems to be made. So, you know, and it's certainly any of the farmers who spoke to us, I, I didn't get any sense that this was to do with greed and them wanting more money. It's It certainly didn't seem to be uh, that. So we'll talk more and hook up with the farmers once again from that protest outside the factory in Bandon. Your thoughts welcome throughout the morning. Already a text in saying, Patricia, you will never get farmers to pull together. And this, I suppose, is to do with the fact yesterday we heard that there there were some shouts of traitor in outside the meat factory in Bandon yesterday when farmers who weren't part of the protest but had turned up at the factory with their cattle wanting to bring them to market, wanting to bring them into the factory. The farmers were protesting, were pleading with them not to. Some of them, I suppose, felt they'd know the choice. They had to get their their cattle to market and they did and they brought them into the factory and there was and I, I hated to hear 
that there were shouts of traitors because these could be neighbours, you know, this could be farmers who live close by each other in, in the scheme of things, help each other out and then suddenly on a protest line they end up taking two different sides. So this texter says you'll never get farmers to pull together. Now this texter says because the IFA only represent big farmers and big businesses. The small farmers are only in their way and they're only fit for forestry pl- plantation. All the cheap loans for example are targeted at big dairy farmers and big co-ops all stainless steel and concrete. It's not rocket science says a texter. And actually I'm glad you mentioned the IFA because yesterday there was a few people asking where are the IFA and all of this because obviously this protest that we're talking about is by farmers themselves who got together under the banner of the beef plan movement. Remember they went to Dáil Éireann a couple of weeks ago uh, as well. This isn't under the banner of the IFA because traditionally when you speak about farmers protesting it normally would be with a group like the IFA. So where do the IFA stand in all of this? I don't actually know the answer uh, to that. We're also going to celebrate with young Fionn Faria who is the student from Skull Community College. He sat his Leaving Cert in June. God, he's a few weeks away from his Leaving Cert result one would assume that he's going to do quite well in his leaving cert. He went to America this week and he was named the overall winner at a science competition organised by Google. That is no mean achievement from a young student from a school in West Cork and we couldn't let the moment pass without having a quick chat with Fionn. So he's going to join us on the programme today to celebrate his amazing achievement uh, this week. About 20 past 11 today we are hoping to talk about the Briery Gap Theatre in McCroom. The Briery Gap suffered a devastating fire back in 2016 and the doors have not been opened since 2016. We seem to be getting very close now to plans to refurbish the theatre and get it back up and running. I know it has been hugely, hugely missed by the good people of McCroom and the surrounding areas. So we'll find out more about those plans uh, today. And then a member from Garda Shikona will join us for this week's Crime File. And in the final hour of the programme, it being Thursday, Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, will join us in studio answering all of your pet questions. If you have a pet question, get it in throughout the morning and we will do our best to put it to Jane uh, after half past 12 today. 1850-333-103 text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and this is literally by sheer coincidence yesterday when we were talking about the farmers who were protesting in Bandon one of the farmers contacted us and said would you play the Manic Street Preachers song if you if you tolerate this because there's words in the line that they feel very very appropriate to what the farmers are doing lo and behold this is my first song Put front pen to paper Turns me into a godless 
That's the Manic Street Preachers on C one oh three and if you could if you could tolerate uh, this. On the Mallow Bridge and the lane closure, it is the northbound lane over Mallow Bridge is going to be closed to traffic is to facilitate the Mallow Bridge boardwalk project. It's closed now and remains closed until the end of August. There was a bit of traffic gridlock yesterday and one wonders will this traffic gridlock continue because Andy and Mallow was on to explain that yesterday evening and I'm assuming this would have been at kind of the end of the day everybody heading home uh, after work there was huge amount of traffic delays and traffic backed up particularly from the Ballydaheen side because you couldn't now go over the bridge so people were going the other way he said what happened yesterday was people were heading to the flyover in Mallow because that was the only way to get around Mallow from the Ballydaheen side because of that there was a tailback of cars well beyond Kylie's car sales trying to access the main road and the reason for the delay was the volume of cars waiting to get onto the main road. They were delayed because of the volume of traffic coming from the city because it was kind of rush hour traffic really so kind of everything combined to make a perfect storm. And people are just going to have to put up with it. It's just one of those things that's going to continue like that until the end of August and fingers crossed and please God they'll have it all done before school starts because if you add school traffic into the mix at other parts of the day we could equally have that type of gridlock but in the meantime, certainly evening times, probably mornings as well, it'll be a little bit tricky and just you can expect delays. Smile and put up with it and be nice to everybody in the car in front of you and behind you and no bipping of horns or anything like that. Just relax. The traffic problems will sort themselves out and the Mallow Bridge Boardwalk Project will eventually be open and everyone will be thrilled with it and people will simply forget about all the traffic delays. 1850 Now I cannot let this day pass without acknowledging the very, uh, the anniversary that happens today. On this day, 1st of August 1980, the Bottevent train disaster occurred. I cannot believe we're now talking about 39 years ago. It was the 10am train. So the passengers this day, 39 years ago, were just on the train for the last 23 minutes. The train had headed off 10am train, Dublin to Cork. It was the express train and it entered Bottevent station at a quarter to one in the afternoon and just, we were talking about this before we came on air, how trains took longer in those days than, than it does uh, today. Anyway, it was the 12, at 12.45 they entered Bottevent. There was 230 bank holiday passengers. It was the Friday of the bank holiday and you could imagine that the sense of excitement and looking forward to the long weekend people would have been in really high spirits. Some people perhaps coming to Cork for the weekend. Others of course would have been working in Dublin, coming home for the weekend coming home to family and friends and everybody would have been, you know, having a great time. Sun was shining, so it was it was a nice day. They pulled into Bottefant. The train was travelling it seems at about 60 miles per hour. It was diverted off the main line across a temporary set of points into a sliding. But the carriages, that's when it all went wrong. The carriages immediately behind the engine jackknifed. They were thrown across four sets of railway lines and of course inside, my God, the terrified passengers were literally flung through the air. Two coaches and the dining carriage were completely demolished by the impact and within hours it was confirmed 18 people had uh, died including two of the rail staff who were on board. As many as 70 were injured 
and on this day 39 years ago eight of those were critically uh, injured and the passengers who were most severely injured are killed were seated in coaches at the time with, with wooden frames which obviously we don't have today it was to become Ireland's worst ever train rail disaster and I know there will be many many people in the Butterfant area who will remember this day from 39 years ago as if it was only yesterday because it was people who lived locally who became the real heroes uh, on the day. I mean literally there was farmers out working in fields saw, realised what had happened down their tools, rushed to the scene to see if they could help in any way. Anyone who had any kind of medical training, nurses, local GPs, members of the Red Cross, Order of Malta, anyone who thought they could help in any way were there. And then people living locally, they'd thrown open their homes to survivors. They were feeding people. They were comforting people. It really was one of those times when community spirit came to the fore. And I think everybody also widely accepts the role that Mallow Hospital played in because the, the ambulance started to arrive literally one after another to Mallow Hospital. Some, of course, went on to Cork University Hospital, but it was Mallow Hospital was where they went to uh, first. And everybody accepts lives were saved because Mallow Hospital was there, was open, was ready, was willing, was able to accept so many of the uh, casualties. And of the 18 fatalities on that day, 17 actually died at the scene of the, of the crash. So many lives were saved certainly because of medical personnel who rushed to the scene and also, without a shadow of a doubt, the role of uh, Mallow Hospital. So we remember all those lives lost on this day 39 uh, years ago. May each and every one of them rest in peace. Christine has contacted us remembering the Butterfant uh, Railway uh, crash. She's saying, my God, that 39 years, time has gone in the blink of an eye. Such a terribly sad day this was 39 years ago. Christine said, I travelled from Dublin on the train on the very same day. But luckily for Christine, she arrived early to Houston Station. So she got an earlier train to Cork. She said, I was in my parents' kitchen and heard of the crash on the radio. Thoughts and prayers for the families who lost their uh, loved one. Thank you for that, uh, Christine. And you were very, very lucky that you managed to get on an earlier train. And we've had reports in of repairs to a burst water main. It may affect supply in the Newtown Chandram area until about half past two today. But Irish Water and Cork County Council are working on it and they are sorting it out. Now we heard from a number of farmers yesterday who were protesting, are supporting those protesting outside the APB meat factory in Bandon. Let's get an update on what's happening today. I'm joined by Gerard Deneen live from the protest who is a farmer from Kilnamartra. Uh, good morning to you Ger. Good morning, Patricia. How are you doing? Uh, I, I'm I'm very well. Firstly, can I ask you because I was speaking about this time yesterday with Helen O'Sullivan, another member of your group, and she was had only had four hours sleep, and yeah, you could we, tell by the girl the way she was talking, she'd sleep deprivation. Has she gone home? She has. I, I'm telling the people watch. I mean, we we I wanted Helen to go home yesterday, but Helen is so into this, and I tell you, I couldn't believe listening to the radio your show yesterday. The emotion, uh, and I tell you, I, I got up this morning a lot quicker than I got up yesterday morning to come to, back down here because it, it, it's heart wrenching to hear those farmers going on, and and it's emotional. 
because their heart and soul are put into farming. And I'm, I'm farming off. I'm 58 years old, and I'm farming. I was I was working off farm for 17, 18 years, and I went full time farming then. But Patricia, there's no young young person to go going to go be farming anymore. I mean that's that's the. And I I have my I I in 19 in in 2017 I was beef grassland farmer of the year, and my farm is run as efficient. As any farm, I, my my beef herd is in the, the top one percent in Ireland, well. and I can't make money. And I and I spend a fortune on, on doing my farm up and doing everything targets tell me, but at three fifty, it's dead in the water. There's no way, um, no way. We what can hope get, do other farmers have if somebody with your awards behind you can't make a profit? I see the profit monitors coming in there and I'm on the stakeholders with Tagus. Yeah. And I've been telling them this with a long time, uh, that this, this day was going to come. No one has answers for me. Tagus don't have answers. Michael Cree doesn't have answers. And Michael Cree should actually listen to that clip yesterday. I mean, he's totally out of touch with what's happening in the countryside. I mean, he gave us 100 million, right? Yeah. And I'll just tell you what that 100 million is what People think 100 million is a lot, right? But you see, when you see it on paper and when people from outside farming here, oh, there goes the farmers again getting another 100 million, million huge I, I, sum of money. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't blame them. If I wasn't in the farming scene, I'd say those specking farmers are off again looking for more. But i just give you the, the stats behind all that, right? Yeah. In 2018, and I did my profit monitor, the average income... For a beef and suckler farmer in 2018, and these are all target figures, they're all put together, farmers are not putting them together, was 8,350. If you divide that by 52, it's 160 euro a week. You divide that again by 40 hours a week, and most farmers work way more for you. You're, on, you're nearly 4 euro an hour. 4 euro an hour. Like, it's, it's not even to close to the minimum wage. No, no, no. And you see, what caps it all, right? Michael Creedian is saying to us, right, that this 100 million is going to stop everything. But listen one sec now. If you divide 100 million by the amount of beef farmers we have in Ireland, equally now, it's not going to be divided equally. Yeah, but if, if you do, if you do, if you just say... If you do, yeah. right, if you do, it's around 1,200 per farm, right? Yeah. But the bigger farmers will get more, right? So it's, you say everyone is getting 1,200, and everyone thinks, geez, that's a lot of money. So you, you again divide 1,200 by 52, and you divide it by 40, and it, co- it comes to 60 cent an hour. So what we have done, so Michael Creed now has said, uh, we, we know that, that it's 4 euro an hour, so now we have 100 million in. What 100 million will do to farmers is bring their income from 4 euro an hour to 460. 460 an hour. Yeah. Like, that's, that's absolute. I mean, any minister should, should be totally disgusted and you can see, you can. I mean, how can any farmer, uh, say a family man, work on four sixty an hour? I mean, if I employed a labourer on my farm, if I gave him four sixty an hour, I'd be I'd be up in court. And and nobody would work for for four sixty an hour. No, but if I mean, we're if we're talking about young people not wanting to go in to the industry and, and you know you're saying it I'm constantly hearing it from farmers saying if I have sons or daughters I'm encouraging them not to stay working on the land what will happen going forward to the beef industry in this country if we don't have farmers Yeah, it, it, it's pure doomsday scenario you see what's happening at the moment I, 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 I'm at 58 right 
my sons are going to college. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I would love to my son to come home and go farming, right? Mm. But I, I, I've met fellas on the picket line, and they're hunting their sons out the door and not to go bee farming. Even the ones like, that want to? Yeah, like, and I, and I say I say to young fellas that, that are very, and there's a huge amount of people who have huge interest in farming, and farming is a great way, to, a way, a way of life because you're at home and you're on bus, but that's all gone. And, and what really sickening, Patricia, is that they expect us to go and get a job, right? Because there's no money in farming. And my farming at home, I worked out last year, right? I spent 50 hours a week farming. That's an average because I, to be a top class farmer, you have to put huge effort into it. I mean, and it, 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 you are rewarded by, I mean, if you grow a lot of grass and West Cork, we have some of the best farmers in the country and we have a great grass growing season and I still am under huge pressure I mean I just think of the guys up the west and up the north right that's where all the sucklers are they have six month winters I, I in my farm I'm geared to have a two month winter I mean that, the winter is killing us mm. the bad year killed us so I'd love I'd, what I actually would like to do is get, get all get everyone locked into the same room and and, and how, I mean, there's no plan there at the moment. Tagus hasn't a plan. Uh, the minister hasn't a plan. Brexit is coming on. And we don't know what to do. I mean, at the moment, uh, most fellas are on the picket line, most farmers want to pack it in. Which is, you see, and you know down here in, in West Cork, you have shops. You see, it's, 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 another, it's another nail in the coffin for rural Ireland. There's nothing else people can do out in the country. Everyone mm. can go dairy farming. Um, I tell you, I'm totally disheartened. And you know, I I nearly cried yesterday listening to this band. I mean, that was such a shocking um, clip to listen to. I mean, it just drove me on again. That was Dennis. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. And, and it was heartbreaking to hear... Uh, that Matt, it was this was De- Dennis when Dennis spoke to us yesterday. I mean, his yeah. voice kept cracking, and and yeah, and, and, I'm just, I'm, and, I'm and he lo- and he and loved. I'm sorry about it. Yeah, I know. No, listen, it it shows the passion and how you feel about your job. That it's more than a job. You know, it's oh, it is. I'm, it's I'm, way I'm more. It's a it's it's a vocation. Yeah, it's a vocation. Did okay yesterday when I was speaking with Helen, she was leading me to believe that a representative from APB was coming out to talk to the protesters. Were you there? Or did you speak? Yeah, How did you get on? Helen, my son and Helen went in there, right? So I just give you the background to that, right? Um, so the background is that we were asking farmers not to come in, uh, and and ninety nine percent of the local farmers stayed out, but you have a lot of people have no morals at all. I can't get over the people that would pack. Farmers, local farmers here passing a picket. They don't give two hoots about themselves or about anyone owning themselves. So, we, we, it, it was getting ugly but the guards were absolutely brilliant. I must absolutely congratulate the guards in Bent. There was two, two guards came up there, I don't know their names, though. I should know their names because they were absolutely fantastic. They controlled the crowd and I had, thought I couldn't actually control the crowd because they were so furious. The guards actually control, controlled everything and we we made an agreement with the, with the guards that we'd leave uh, all the distressed animals in first and if the factory came out 
to meet it, we would leave everyone else in. And it took a long time for that to get sorted. The factories don't want to talk to us because they have no answers, you see, for us. So actually what happened, there was there was savage, and I, and I don't know, I want to apologise to all the locals here for, for the traffic jams. There was yesterday. traffic delays but, yesterday, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and they just have to understand that we are, we are in, when you're on 4, 4, 50 or 60 an hour, you know, you're quite entitled to protest. Because yeah, was... what happened after that procedure was that the factories decided that the, the cattle weren't going to come in and, and, and they decided to meet us. So we left all the cattle in. And um, and another welfare, I mean, a lot of people throw welfare at us. But there's cattle coming down from up Mead, Dublin, coming down here because the locals won't supply it. So Larry Goodman, and well, Larry owns this plant, He's getting cattle from all over the country to come in here to pass the protest and the local boys are staying away. It's absolutely shocking. It, it just shows you what kind of fellow uh, he is. And, and I, well, I know when they issued us with a statement yesterday, they did mention Brexit. They did mention on the uncertainty. Uh, they also said that they, uh, that they don't deny the fact that farmers are under significant uh, pressure. Uh, uh, but they say the price paid today is reflective of the market and disrupting normal processing activity is not going to help. Can I just answer that now? Very simple, right? We've done a survey there last year of the beef price. So the, pea, the beef price for farmers dropped 8% last year, right? So we went into the supermarket and checked out and found out, did it drop 8% inside the supermarket? But do you know what actually happened? It went up 1% in the last year in the supermarket. So there's a, there's a 9% swing there, right? And someone is taking that money. When, when farmers are on their knees, the factories and the supermarkets are, are actually screwing us again. So, I mean, when a person is at four, four euro an hour, right, and they decide to take more off you, what, what do you what, what do you do? Okay, a number of callers, and this came up yesterday as well, are asking about the IFA and the IFA's role, and do you have support from the IFA no, for your no, protest? The IFA have, 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 are, are running for cover. They don't know. I mean, I, well, they, I, I, they were protesting yesterday outside the EU Food and Veterinary Offices in County Meath, calling yeah, for a I stop to the beef import scandal, which they say is damaging EU beef prices. Yeah, I, I, I read the journal today, and I read the journal most weeks. I mean, you, you think you think they were doing something? I mean, this was a PR stunt by the by the IFA to get on the headlines. Um, we are here with a week, and we are protesting. We protested outside Dublin. We end up to the dawn. The IFA have gone missing, absolutely missing. They're the biggest farmer. I mean, I, I, I am a member of the. I'm a member of every farmer organisation. I'm a member of the IFA. I'm also a member of the ICSA, which is another very good organisation. I, 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 and I, le- I, I left the IFA. They're doing nothing. And they they haven't contacted you about the protest or to see if they can help no, out. No, we're, we're or Somebody we're, wants we're, to know: Is it true that Larry Goodman tried to take a court order against the protesters? Yeah, I heard that yesterday evening. Larry, Larry, don't care about farmers. But was that was was that confirmed, or was it just a rumor? We're not. Too, I mean, we got a phone call yesterday evening here when at the, at the height of, of of the trouble that Larry was getting a court order. We we don't know for sure. What, to stop you protesting, is it? Yeah, to stop us protesting. Can um, they? Can they? Can they? Can you get a court order to stop somebody protesting? I, I don't know the rules no. of that. I, yeah, I, I, I get that check because I, I don't know yeah. if you can or can't. Anyway, you're continuing with your protest today. Are there many farmers there today? 
Yeah, we have about 20 or 30. We'd like more people. We'd like, we'd like all the local farmers in, in Cork to come in and help us because if we don't get numbers behind this, we're all doomed. Um, I, I just want to tell you the update about um, the um, the letter. We we send a letter into the into uh, the factory here, and what the beef plan movement want is we are requesting an immediate meeting with Meat Street in Ireland uh, for the purpose to come up with a solution for this protest. Otherwise, the protest will keep going. Okay. So it's, it's the ball is in their court now. If they want to, to meet with us and sort this out. Otherwise, this protest is going ahead. Okay, and they, uh, they know it, they know where you are. You're right outside the gate. Yeah. Listen, we 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 we, we will we will talk again, uh, Jer. In the meantime, thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining you're us. Brilliant to, you're absolutely brilliant to highlight this, and and it was it was very hard to listen to that yesterday. But you know, I think everyone should go to your podcast and and listen to that clip yesterday. And it was it was just shocking to listen to that. And um, maybe right. people will have to listen to clips like that more often. Okay. Ger, we'll talk again. Take care. Thank bye bye. That is Gerard Deneen, who is a farmer from Kilnamartra, and uh, he's also a member of the protest uh, group, uh, the Beef Plan Movement. 1850 John Paul takes your calls. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the feel good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of feel good greatest hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4 as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. West Cork Schoolboy has won the 2019 edition of the Google Science Fair, the annual online science competition open to students between the ages of 13 and 18 from all around the world. Fionn Ferreira from Ballydehob was announced the overall winner at an event at Google International Headquarters in California this week. And I'm delighted to say Fionn joins me on the programme. Good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Well, I'm very well. And firstly, congratulations uh, to you. Did the overall win come as a complete surprise? Or did you have a good feeling that they might be about to call out your name? Um, well, um, to be completely honest, it was definitely a big surprise to me. Um, I wasn't expecting that I'd be the overall winner. Um, I think that because it was a competition where so many international students um, were picked and really the best project of the 5,000 entries were picked, um, really, none of us had any idea who would get prizes and who wouldn't. So it was a very big shock when I, when I did get the prize. So you entered. It was as, as I said in the introduction. It was an online competition. You entered online. Was was, was that what happened? You submitted yeah, so, your project. So it, it's one where you write up just the summary of your project. You write maybe about ten little five hundred word segments by your project, um, and then they after that do quite a few online interviews. And then they select the top 20 in the world to go to Google headquarters. And was that an all-expensive, all-expenses page trip? Of course. Hey! <laughs> That's fantastic. Was, was, was it amazing to be over there at Google headquarters? Um, I thought it was an absolutely amazing experience um, just being able to see what employees that they experience over there at Google headquarters and of course just just to see the whole campus I thought it was really an amazing trip. Yeah, yeah. It gives you ideas for the future maybe where you'd like to end up? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> now tell me about your project. So my project is a new method to remove microplastics from water using 
thermogenetic liquids. So essentially, um, I use a mixture of vegetable oil, so I can actually use waste vegetable oil, and um, magnetic powder called um, magnetite um, to make a ferrofluid, a magnetic liquid. When I place this in water, this magnetic liquid attracts plastic particles, and that means that these plastic particles get stuck in the liquid. Then what I can do is actually remove the liquid and the plastic particles stuck to it using magnets. So, so you, the the idea is that you would get the microplastics out before they'd get into the oceans. Exactly. So we need to remove microplastics from uh, water before it gets into the ocean because once it's in the ocean, it's already being absorbed by so many different organisms and as well as that, it gets dispersed and stuck very, very deep down. So it's very difficult to filter the oceans and I don't think that's a viable opportunity for any extraction method. So we need to filter it before it gets out to the ocean. So my project is particularly applicable in wastewater treatment environments. Well done. And is there a chance that your your method now will go commercial and will get picked up by companies? So definitely as part of this Google Award, um, I will get years' worth of mentoring um, from all of the different partners of the competition, including National Geographic and Scientific American. Those partners have already shown interest and we're definitely going to work together in hopefully bringing this uh to reality. We're going to be working on this and hopefully um, it'll it'll be implemented somewhere by the end of the year. And outside of the amazing honour of winning the overall war- award, what else did you win? Uh, what else did I win? Yeah. Well, for me, I think it was mainly just recognition that this project works. Uh, outside of the, the cash prize, of course, there's several trips involved too. Um, so, um, they might include going to the um, National Geographic headquarters or the Scientific American, and I most definitely will be travelling back to Google headquarters in the future. Um, so it's it's quite a cool prize, and of course, um, I think it's sad to see that some people didn't win, um, but I'm just so happy that I I did get well the done. Well, to well done. And you only you sat your leaving cert in in June at Skull Community College, yeah. so you're you're waiting on your results, which are due in now less than two weeks at this stage now, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. Um, straight A student? Um, no, I'm not a straight A student. I think my Gwenga is a little bit lacking, and okay. uh, maybe my English too. Um, but I I think you know a straight A student might not think outside the box, and I think one thing that this science fair really um, brought home was just that. To be good at science, you need to be creative. You need to think outside the box. That's so, no, true. I won't get straight A's, but um, I will be hoping for the results. And what's the plan for third level? You planning on going to college? Um, yeah, so I'm going to study chemistry at the University of Groningen in Netherlands. Um, so I've already got a conditional offer there, um, which just means I need to get one D in my leaving cert, and then I'm in. Oh, you're well in. You're 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 well in. How long have you been living in Ballydehob? I've lived there my entire life. Okay, but your family are originally from? Uh, my mother is German and my father is Portuguese. Okay, because sp- I read somewhere, do you speak three languages? I do. So I speak English, German and Portuguese. Fantastic. And where did, did I also read you play trumpet at orchestra level? I do too, yeah. Another thing I do. So yeah, I play in the Chronicle of the Youth Orchestra um, and I'm part of other ensembles too. Oh, well done. So you, you have uh, another interest, that's another interest outside of science. Uh, have you other hobbies that you pursue? Well, I think one thing that's been really um, influential on my science was I love kayaking. I love experiencing nature. I love going out hill walking and particularly engaging with Rowing Water Bay down here in West Cork. Yeah. 
Um, so because of that, I think this brought home to me just how much I love nature, and I think that had a huge influence on my mm. project. I encourage everybody to to go outside and not spend hours in front of the computer. You live in a beautiful neck of the woods, that's for sure. <laughs> you you really do. Listen, congratulations. We were all very proud of you when we heard it was one of our own that won this award. Uh, so best of luck, and uh, no matter what you decide to do in the future, I have a funny feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more about you going forward, uh, Fionn. But thanks a million for joining us and talking to us on the programme this morning. Thank you so much. Good morning, Tia. Bye-bye. Good morning. Uh, what a lovely young lad. That is uh, Fionn Ferrari, who picked up that Google International Award, the overall award at the Science Fair. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Lots and lots of calls uh, coming in about the farmers protesting while we've been talking about the farmers who are protesting outside the, by the beef plan movement outside the meat factory in Abandon. Uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm very aware, and I know I've been, I was talking to John Paul about this a couple of minutes ago, I'm very aware of the pressure a lot of farmers are under at the moment, reflected, I think, in some of the calls that we've had to this programme of farmers getting very emotional, very upset. And uh, John Paul said he's getting like a similar number of calls from farmers. They're all not in a position to join us on air or we don't feel they're in a position that we could put them on air. Some of them are, are so upset. But I am very conscious of the mental health of a lot of those that are contacting us. And just to say to people to please reach out and talk to somebody and share your problems and share your concerns. Please don't keep it bottled up. I mean, I would worry for farmers who are in very isolated working environments, you know, working on their own and if they constantly have the worry of where the money is going to come from to pay for this bill, to pay for that bill I just, I want those farmers to please reach out and contact somebody. There is lots of help available but just talk to somebody, talk to, you know, a family member if you have a family member or reach out to your next door neighbour, your farming, your next, the farmer next door to you, you know, reach out to friends, please uh, do that. Okay, some of your calls uh, coming in. Uh, Tim was on to say farmers get paid from the factory roughly a week after they sell their animals. I feel farmers themselves are slow to pay their own bills. And his own example is I'm waiting two years for money for land I rented to a farmer. I'm a farmer myself saying this. I feel farmers are looking for too much from the state. They seem to be looking for grants. And again, I'm saying that as a farmer. What I would suggest if you're having a problem getting a bill paid by a farmer that you're renting land to, uh, Tim, you need to talk to that farmer. Maybe he's just in a position that... He can't afford to to pay you, but if that's the case, you need to find out and work, come up with some kind of a solution uh, to it. Barry says, I feel for farmers and I feel most people should do as well, as farmers are the backbone of our economy. What has happened is over the years, forget about Brexit and the, the factories have really dominated prices as the factories have been given so much power. So they have power to dominate the market while the consumer pays the price for everything. So I am sympathetic to the farmer, critical though of the government as to how they're handling it. It seems to be at the moment, unless you're in big business you are not able to operate. John in Mallow says, I'm a beef farmer. I lost money last year when those beef factories made massive profits. I'd love to be at their protest today, but sadly I can't. I have to work trying to make up the money that I lost over the last uh, year. 
And then Dan in North Cork was on saying when we were talking about the compensation scheme, you know, this plan, this hundred million, which sounds great on paper, but when you know when Jared Deneen was breaking it down, if you get divvy it up to you know, all of the beef farmers, it isn't a lot of money. But Dan in North Cork says not every beef farmer will qualify uh, for the money, and he was explaining to John Paul that he needed to have his cattle in by the twelfth of May, even though the fa- factories where he tried to get his cattle into wouldn't take his cattle before the 12th of May and because of that he's going to lose out on the compensation money he'll be down he reckons €25,000 because of it he actually rang Minister Michael Creed Minister for Agriculture's office two days ago to highlight his particular situation and he actually ended up speaking to the Minister himself he said he, he rang me back but he couldn't do anything at all for me and obviously there's very strict criteria as to who's going to get paid, who's not going to get paid. And for whatever reason, I don't know why Dan in North Cork was the 12th of May and why that figure was important, why that date was important to him and why he was refused when he tried to bring his cattle uh, to the uh, factory. And I don't know if others are caught with that as well. Now, some of your texts in, Michael says, Hi Patricia, just to follow up on your cattle discussion, farmers rearing calves and selling in marts as stores to cattle finishing men are losing up to €100 a head back on last year, which is crazy as the costs at the same time have soared. This group will not get a red cent from this famous useless compensation scheme, says Michael. If the beef sector died, then where is food supply going to come from? Add Brexit and new imports to come and it's end game. I feel sad. So many non-farmers don't understand the serious effects that this will have on the entire rural community. Thanks for highlighting this issue, says uh, Michael. And and you, there is a wider, you are right, the wider rural economy gets affected if you get a group of farmers who just decide we're not able to farm anymore and, and they decide to give up because traditionally and it's not even traditionally it happens all the time people in very rural areas like like farmers they spend their money locally be it at the co-op or the shop or whatever it is their money is spent locally and if suddenly they are down and they're not making money the knock-on effect it ripples out to the entire economy in that area uh, Mike says thank you for that Michael Mike says the IFA and the ICMSA ought to be ashamed of themselves for not having their county chairpersons in the Cork area present at the beef pro- protest in Bandham I'm disappointed with the IFA president Joe Healy I no longer attend IFA meetings it's only big fellas and the Mayfainers uh, with their own greedy interests at heart says Mike in particular dairy farmers they only want to see the back of beef farmers and suckler farmers says Mike and hi Patricia says another text of 4.60 per hour that's what Jared Deneen broke down what people are making that would be great if you got paid for every hour you worked however find one farmer whose average working week is 40 hours a week it's more like 65 to 70 and if you break it down then, you're talking the real hourly rate would be 260 to 280 an hour. And nobody would, nobody would work for that. Patricia, I admire those farmers who are protesting in Banton. That comes in from Eileen in Kenturk, wishing them well on the protest on the picket. Patricia, the buzzword in farming now is forestry and contract rearing Frisian heifer calves 
That's where all the government is, government money is going. John says, Patricia, how come the farmers in this country are always whining? Poor mouths. It's the farmers today. It'll be the fishermen next uh, week. Maybe they have a genuine reason to be whining, John, as uh, you put it. While John in Clonakilty says, Patricia, ask any of the farmers, what do they get from Europe in November and December if the cheque is in the post? Says John in Clonakilty. I don't think any farmer will deny getting a cheque in the post. And I'm assuming when they're talking about how much money they're making, they're factoring that money in. That's what they are living on and barely surviving on. And someone else says, hey Patricia, where is Michael Creed gone? Fina Gale have farming finished. That's according to Pat. Okay, that's just a sample of some of the calls and some of the texts that are coming in to us. And John and Dinkle is listening to us and Kerry says, really interesting discussion with the farmers. But one thing that is affecting farmers and indeed everybody living in rural areas is the price of fuel. Have other Others notice this and is anybody else ringing into your programme, Patricia, says John in Dingham. Yesterday he was travelling around the area and in the West Cork area, diesel was on sale for 135. Earlier that morning he was in Dingle and John saw diesel two cent dearer at 137. Similar price, he said, anywhere around West Kerry. But then when he got to Tralee, he said the diesel price was at 124. How come in rural areas diesel is dearer and it averages around the 135 mark while in urban areas it's lower? It always seems to be rural areas are being hit. Have others noticed uh, that, that you pay more for your petrol and your diesel in rural areas than you do in urban areas? 1850 And I don't know if there's a name on this, but a texter says, Patricia, I lived in London for many, many years and I moved home to raise our children. So at times I still like to read the UK papers, but I was shocked this morning upon reading the Daily Telegraph. The headline reads, Bought by Brussels, Little Ireland's ridiculous leaders have landed it in a Brexit crisis. And basically the article goes on to call us here in Ireland as Little Ireland and that we are governed by ridiculous uh, leaders. Now, there will be a number of Irish people who will say we have ridiculous leaders, but we're allowed to say that ourselves. We certainly do not want anyone in the United Kingdom calling our leaders ridiculous and blaming us for the Brexit uh, crisis. This caller says, how are they blaming Ireland for the Brexit crisis? I am beyond annoyed. But But it does go to show the ignorance in the United Kingdom at the moment when it comes to Brexit. They really don't know what it's all about. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your course. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Carpenters and labourers are wanted for immediate starts. That's in the North and West Cork areas. Breedhaven Nursing Home, that's in Mallow. They're looking for a qualified chef. While a health and safety officer is required, and that's for work in the Ringeskiddy area. A general cleaner required to clean staff facilities and offices of a food management site. Full-time role, five days per week. And uh, you can find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. In 2016, the Briery Gap Theatre in McCroom was extensively damaged by a fire and many local people are desperate to have the theatre refurbished and reopened. And according to an article this week by Shauna Reardon in The Examiner, a number of businesses in the town will face disruption when the work to rebuild the theatre finally gets 
underway. Joining me, local councillor Ted uh, Lucy. Good morning to you, Ted. Good morning. Uh, and and you you are welcome. It is Thank it you. just simply unavoidable that there will be disruption when this work gets underway. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Yeah, we, we were told that last Friday at our monthly meeting, um, and it will cause. Look, I'm not going to beef this up. It, was, it is going to cause a lot of destruction. There's no doubt about that. But it's something that will, you know, have to be done to get the job done. And the main thing is, I suppose, you know, that um, the business people, I suppose, that are near it, that hinge onto it, and they're very near it. Um, you know, that discussions take place. I think they could even be starting today, just explaining the whole thing and to do it as smoothly as could be. And um, now this is not probably a done deal yet, but it, it's one of the main, you know, it was said to us that this is probably the only way they can do it, you know. And explain what they are thinking of doing, their, their thinking behind it. Well, they have to have a compound to store the stuff. And, okay. you know, it, it's going to take 12, the, the job, I suppose, itself will take 12 months, maybe 15 months. Probably be less, definitely 12 months. And they have to store the stuff and have a compound. And if the store it some other way, uh, far away, they'll be drawing it, going and coming until, you know, prolong the process. And and, and cause probably just as much upheaval. Yeah, and more because, you know, the traffic in the town is slower. Yeah. Uh, and they're closing off, as what we're told, is in front of the Berry Gap and over there's a small island that, that'll be part of the compound. There will be foot ac- uh, pedestrian access across as people know down from the road of one shop and there will be access for a forklift to Gwyn out for deliveries. Um, it will be closed off. There'll be no traffic. They're proposing lift up the back square. Okay. And, um, you know, it look, it is going to cause upheaval. There's not over that. But I think, you know, I think the main thing here is that someone locally being charged with in, in the council that they can lay with or we can lay with. I mean, not going away from it. There was a market there two weeks ago up in the square, a free market. What was held up the town in the town hall was fantastic. But the management of traffic was a pure disaster for five days. It nearly closed down the square and that's something that's not going to happen with this because they've learned from that, we've learned from it, and someone local will be in charge with that. You know, that they, people, the business people can talk to, or we can talk to. Yeah, so. and I, I always think that that's the, that's the key to it. And, yeah. and I know certainly people will, over the years, from different towns and villages, will contact us when something like this happens. And, and it's the, and the one theme that comes out from every single person who gives out about it it's the lack of information we yeah. didn't know and then the, the, and then you need a point of contact so if something isn't working it can get pointed out can, and then you can sort of sit around the table again and say well can we relook at this yeah and that's like the, at the meeting last Friday I said that and all councillors and fair said it that was the main 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 point made that local people must be contacted the local enterprise board be written to you know, just let them know because they're the business, the business organization in McCroom. And, and just look, give full information, hide nothing, tell everything up front. And, you know, and this is where it'll work and maybe give a weekly update. And this has to happen. And like, I can assure you, if I have anything to do with that, I'll be keeping top of that way because it's most frustrating for us, for business people. If there's no one you can get, if there's a problem, you know. Mm. And then, as councillors, you will definitely be getting a lot of angry calls in from from constituents asking what's going on. But long term, the ultimate, you know, the the prize will be the Briarwood Gap Theatre well, will yeah. be reopened. It will look. It's gone on three years. Um, the regulations, I suppose, are huge in these things. You know, these things now. Um, but look, it's coming. Hopefully, the, the, the contracts will be out, out in a couple of months. And we were told that they hope to start work in January. And it will be a 12-month, you know, 12- to 15-month project. And, you know, it will be top of the, top of the range 
building when it's done. There's no doubt about that. It'll be a super building. Yeah, this, just to explain this, this is more than just refurbish what's there and get it back open again. There, It's a lot more. It is. like Well, it's really, you know, built, really, it's, it'll be a new a new building. The library will be there. The theatre will be there. You know, there'll be cinema there. What was there before, but it'll be bigger. Like the last, as it was, as it stands, I suppose, before it was burned, about 165, you could see there. And this will go up to about roughly 240. Well, So, like, that's a third, you know, or nearly 40% of it. So you've got to have that big amount of booms, I suppose, and seats to draw the bigger axe in as well, because mm-hmm. at the time they were only barely getting, you know, axe that would, they weren't making enough out of it, you know, people coming acting or whatever do, they were doing. So, like, it will, that that's a big plus. There'll be totally 100% um, access for disability. You know, there'll be lift spot out to the front of the building. So, like, everything is is going to be put into it. It will be absolutely a fantastic building, but it will come with its, you know, problems for the business people. For the, you know, Has the it road. been hugely missed, Ted? It has. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you know, the, the, comment, the board or the committee kept it going. They were running stuff, but they, they, they gave up there about two months ago because they physically couldn't yeah. be putting up stages in, 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 in the hotels and take him down. They did so well for and so they long. Did, they did fantastic, but look, you know, um, they got burned out from it, but this is now as a lift to them to, you know, to keep keep the faith and keep in place and that they'll be there again when it, when it is open. But, like, it has been missed. It, as I always said, like, it's, it's not serving McCroom, it's serving probably 20 mile radius. Mm, absolutely, know? absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, it is, and the library, while the library is still going where it is downtown, it is very good, but, you know, I suppose the home of it is the very gap and it is, it is a huge loss. There's no, to businesses in the town as well, you know, at local businesses, by now you have to something and they'll go for a drink, they buy tea, you know, whatever, it's a huge loss, uh, definitely a huge loss, yeah. Is funding fully in place for the work? Funding is not, well, you know, there was, I suppose, a, a bit of banter about local politics about that the last day, but Jim Malloy is a senior executive of McCock County Council, he's the guy that's in charge of dealing with the department. And the question was asked, is funding, funding, I asked the question actually, is funding the issue here? Mm-hmm. No, only any of it open, he said out strictly, no, it was not, it's going on regardless. They have money from insurance, at the time it was insured, only insured this was, to what it was at the time, to hadn't insured to bring it up to yeah. the stage you want to bring it to. They have money, uh, I think the Carcony Council have committed uh, money, about a million euros to it. The department gave 250,000 from Heather Humphreys at the time, a few months after it happened. But there was more money coming from the department under different, two different grants. And one of them, I think, will be known shortly, the other one will be known kind of the end of the year, the start of the year. But the chief executive, Tim Lucy, I think, is happy enough to, to wait and, you know, are sorry to drive on with it, but to, to be, wait to be reimbursed under the department. And whatever shortfall is there, I presume the council will pick that up as well. But uh, finance is not an issue. Great, of, of great. Up, so. Okay, and we're at the stage now where the plans are there. You're you're putting, you're ready to go to tender now, is it? They hope to go to tender in the next couple of months, well, it's the next two months. They hope to go to tender once they have talked, I suppose, after talking to and discussing this, these issues with the business people and get everything in place. They hope to, you know, to get the tender documents out in the next uh, six weeks, eight weeks. And, and I know that... contractor in, in, in the ground by January. And and a model of the building is going to go on display shortly as well, isn't it? Yes, that's yeah. um, McCroom Town Hall. In the town hall, I Great. know. Is it up? I was mentoring this morning. It was there last Friday when we had the meeting, but it the symbol. But it is above the town hall, and people are asked to call in to see. And I, I'm looking forward to looking at it myself. Okay, and then please God, work could get underway. But end of the year, starting the new year, January maybe. Yeah, they're saying yeah. January, and look, you know, look, uh, hopefully it will. And 
while business people, I suppose, will be worried. Look, we'll do our very best to, to keep to keep keep things going from okay. you know. Okay, it's, uh, it certainly it is a good news story, and a lot of people yeah. will very much welcome uh, welcome the news. And just you know, you get get on with it, get it up up running and open, uh, and people will have forgotten about all of the traffic delays and uh, and everything yeah. that, that that will happen while the building work is going on. Just want to have you on the line, um, just on a different topic. And Ted, were you very disappointed to see the Life Boy set on fire at the the town park over the weekend? <coughs> I was Patricia, yeah, just um. Is a you know horrible thing to happen. Um, look, there's a pile of people to walk. We have a fantastic park and in both sides of walks there yeah, of the river. And for this to happen, they're put there for a purpose. They're put there to save lives. And for this to happen, I think it was dreadful. Um, look, it wasn't needed, thanks be to God. And uh, my belief is that it has been replaced. Was replaced on Monday again, so it is right. back up there. But um, look, it's, I think it's a shocking thing to happen. And um, I think the guards are there's ongoing, ongoing investigations into it. But is there anti-social, much anti-social behaviour in the town park because it's a very isolated incident? There, look, I suppose like every town there is bits that look, there's people go down there by night and, you know, um, probably having a few drinks and things. There is nothing serious or anything after happening down there as such like that, but there will be battles and cans and things thrown around, especially in the GA pitch, which, you know, they have to come in the mornings and pick them up. There is a bit of that going on. Is this what young people bush drinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which every is. generation does, unfortunately, and, and yeah. will continue to do. Um, but look, overall, there's no out of that side of it. There, there, there is no um, damage done. Usually, there would be a bit, but like you know, this this is one thing that I said that shake a lot of people when they heard that this was after happening. Well, that's just shocking. It's just yeah. you know, I mean, as you were saying, luckily it wasn't needed. But you know, the stupidity of whoever you know thought that it was funny, and I'm sure that that was the uh, the aim of it at the time to uh, to do it. Well, that, that, if, yeah. that if they if do they ever stop and think that if one of their own family members themselves. You, you know, you never know oh, the yeah, hour exactly. of the day where any of us will yeah, need to. Yeah, could be themselves next week. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't think of that at the time either. All right. an it's been replaced. That's the main thing. Yeah. All right, Ted, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, McCroom Councillor Ted Lucy. Good news story with the Briary Gap at Theatre. But it will be, we'll wait probably two years now at this stage because if it's January before the work gets underway, and they're talking about 12, 15 months, probably this time two years. It certainly should be up and uh, running and we look forward to it because it's a wonderful, wonderful facility and it has been dearly missed in the McCroom area since that uh, fire destroyed it back in uh, twenty. Uh, 16. And by the way, when we've been talking and like we were talking there with Ted about there will be traffic delays because of the ongoing work when the Briary Gap Theatre when the work gets underway we've been talking about the delays that are being experienced for example in Mallow with the boardwalk being built and those delays will continue throughout the month of August and anyone who goes to the seaside particularly on the weekends uh, will know that there's traffic delays and how busy it can be. Can I just give a word of warning if you are going to particularly it's the bank holiday weekend if you are planning on heading to the beach this weekend would everybody just stop and think where they're parking their cars because there was the story that came out now it's it's a story out of Wa- West Waterford but this could have happened at any of our beaches. It was an ambulance who was rushing to attend a, um, a 65 year old woman who had collapsed now, she'd had a heart attack and there was a bit of a panic and they needed to dial 999. They did. They explained, had a heart attack. The ambulance said, OK, we are underway. The ambulance, though, ended up being delayed by 20 minutes and the ambulance driver said it was because of haphazardly parked 
cars. Now, th- that particular incident was one of two incidents involving emergency uh, vehicles in the last fortnight that has heightened fears. It's in Ardmore in West Waterford. The traffic congestion on the narrow roads heading down to the beach could end up having a fatal consequence. They're fearful that one day will be, they'll be reporting the ambulance didn't get in and the person actually passed away. Now this 65-year-old uh, woman was attending the farmer's market and there was a car boot sale on and it was on a field in the village, the, the outskirts of the village and she was there with her son and her grandchild. Now luckily there was a nurse nearby when she collapsed and there was the first responders so they rushed over uh, to her but they realised very quickly that this woman was having a heart attack so the ambulance was called, it was dispatched from Dungarvan which is 22 kilometres away but you know flashing blue lights and all of that. It arrived in Ardmore but then the cars parked along the secondary road which served the area heading down to the field where this Farmer's Market was on and also down to the beach and the, the traffic, the, the ambulance stalled, literally couldn't go any, any further. Uh, the vehicle was again delayed when keys from a height barrier were unobtainable. Now, I don't know who was to blame for that. And eventually they never got the keys to raise the barrier. So they ended up having to walk in and they carried the woman out to, to the ambulance and they brought her to uh, the hospital and seemingly she is doing OK. And then the weekend before that, Ardmore Fire Brigade were on. Now, they were on a non-emergency mission and they were also unable to travel a very similar route. And once again, it was because cars were parked. On this particular occasion, they were having the annual Patron Festival. So there was a lot of extra cars. The local Tidy Towns group are describing the main street in Ardmore as totally completely blocked throughout the day. Wheelchair access severely compromised by cars parked on footpaths and they are warning that during this summer, the summer congestion is simply getting worse year on year. And a Walford County Council who heard more would come under say that the long term solution is alternative access to the beach car park. So they know that they have an issue. I mean, you know, when I hear see statements like that, you know, what we need to do is we need an alternative access to the beach car park. Then come up with an alternative access to the beach car park because to hear the locals saying that this has always been an issue but it's getting worse year on year, it's getting worse. You know, more and more people are getting into cars and heading to the beach in Ardmore. It's a beautiful beach. Uh, so we need to you solve the problem. Don't wait for somebody to be killed. I mean, that sixty-five-year-old woman. They could. They. They were. She was lucky that there was an, an advanced paramedic and a nurse uh, there. But what if there wasn't? You know, they obviously kept her going until the ambulance came. We could instead have been reporting on Monday of a death and a death because cars were parked haphazardly. So please think about where you're parking your car. As I say, that happened in Ardmore and West Waterford. But I imagine if I threw open the phone lines and said, have you seen bad parking near any of our beaches in Cork, in East Cork, in West Cork? Was the situations where your car got pinned in or somebody else's car got pinned in or you couldn't overtake a car? Or was there an ambulance that you saw and it couldn't actually get in and people were trying to move cars? We just need to stop and think where we're parking our car. And if it means that you and your dear little ones in the car might have to walk 
a little bit further just to make sure that your car is parked properly, then please do that. Please park the car properly and then walk to wherever it is you're going. 1850-333-103. Jump all takes your calls. Nick Richards. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. We're at the Lee Swim where about 500 people are going to get in the River Lee any minute now. Your husband's taking part? Yes, Martin Chen. Yes. Do you think there's any sharks in there? No. No. Fishies! Not taking part this year? No, not this year. Yeah. You could nip behind a tree, put a pair of Speedos on, you be in. 50-50. <laughs> Brings loads of people out into the city and it'll be great this year because obviously they're swimming under the new bridge for the first time, the Mary Ellen's Bridge. So yeah, so great day. Weekday afternoons from C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. We're going to Bandingar, the station where I'm joined by Sergeant uh, James O'Donovan. Uh, good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. And, uh, you? You, I'm very well, and you are welcome to the programme. Let's start much. with looking for help from listeners for witnesses uh, to some crimes, starting with uh, burglaries. Yes, uh, we've had a number of burglaries in the Cork West Division, Patricia, over the last number of weeks. I suppose we'll start in Ross Carberry, first of all, on a time between the 20th and 24th of July last at the ESB substation there in Farnan's area of Roscarbury. An attempt was made to get in. I suppose in relation to this, uh, the people that were looking to get into the station were looking for copper wiring and wiring. Ah, because I was just going to ask, what would be a value in an ESB substation? Yes, and I suppose over the last number of years, we've had a a decline in the, the interest in copper wiring, but obviously it's after raising its head again, and we'd be asking the general public to let us know if they see any suspicious around any ESP station or scrapyards or uh, dumps in, in in the West Cork Division to let us know because obviously there's an interest in the copper wiring again. So again, that was on the 20th and the 24th of July last. If anyone saw sus- anything suspicious around the ESB substation there in Rathcarbury, to let us know here in Clannacilty or in Rathcarbury. Okay, because that would stand out, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Mill Street area then, um, at Crinaloo, Kilcorny area there, on Monday the 23rd of July last, between 9.30am and 12pm, we're looking for any information there in relation to suspicious vans or people in that area. Now, we are aware that there was a number of uh, bogus callers uh, looking to do work such as painting and tray on sheds and, and uh, a bit of tarmacadam. Now, Again, we've always in the past been asked people to be mindful when they're dealing with people that are offering these services at a very cheap rate. There is legitimate people out there that are offering trades and they're charging the, the, the normal prices for such. But when the price is too good to be true, there, there, there is normally be something suspicious. suspicious. Be suspicious about mm-hmm. it. Get as many details as you can. They're handing out flyers now at the moment with, um, with no contact details or anything on them, just outlining the work that can be done at a very cheap rate. Again, we're asking people to be mindful of those people and to contact the Gardaí if they have any information in relation to those. And it's very easy to get those flyers printed up. You know, I remember a woman who was scammed in the North Cork area and she, and, and we were talking to her about it and she said that they they handed in, you know, very professional looking flyers. Yes, indeed. And, and you know, and that convinced her that they must be above board and of course they weren't. And look, it all comes down to the price that they're offering. And again, we don't want to take away from the legitimate business yeah. people that are out doing a hard day's work for a decent wage and they're doing excellent work. But there is people that are using that guise as a way of getting into a house and maybe intimidating that person to get more cash out of them. And we're just being mindful of that and for the public to be mindful of it as well. Um, moving on to Skull, in the Gobine area of Skull there on the 25th of July last, between 5pm and 10pm, entry to a house was gained. There was a number of items taken. Again, we're asking for uh, anyone with any 
information in relation to suspicious activity. I suppose the unusual one about this was that there was a bit of graffiti done on the wall then as well. Huh. So it's, it's that a bit, doesn't normally happen on a no, break-in. It's a bit okay. unique, and again, uh, uh, people might it might stand out that they they might have seen something more suspicious by people hanging around a house or something in that um, Gobine area of Skull on the twenty fifth of July. Last and it was e- it was evening time. It was five, evening time, five, five p.m. Yeah, to ten p.m. It's a very okay. busy stretch of road there, now between Skull and Crookhaven and Goline for the this time of the year. So. Uh, people might have seen someone acting suspicious around that time and to contact the lads in Skull or the Gardaí in Bantry. Okay, from burglaries, let's go to thefts and you want to start with Harbour View uh, in Kilbritton. Yes, on the 19th of July last year, uh, this is an unusual one, in the middle of the day, there was garden furniture removed from the front of a house. Now, now that's something we don't often hear about. No, it's, it's, it's probably very unique from the point of view that, look, I suppose you can get garden furniture now at a very reasonable price and yeah. all in all stores across the country but to have it removed from the front of a house obviously I suppose if someone was walking or even driving past that area in Kilbritton on the 19th which would have been last Friday um, two weeks two weeks ago last Friday two weeks ago that they might have seen someone acting suspicious Now a van or a trailer yes. had to be used Yes it wouldn't yeah. have been able to fit into a car so yeah. they might have observed a strange van or a strange car in the area and to just to pass on that information to the Gardaí in Bandon. Okay, and that Move, happened Moving on to Kilty now, Patricia. This is an unusual one again. It happened overnight on the 23rd of the 7th, 2018. Again, it would have been a van that would have been acting suspiciously in in the in a, a residential area in Clannacilty, <coughs> in the Ladies' Cross area. I suppose it's unique that it was a power washer that was being removed at, in the middle of the night. So maybe mm. they wheeled it down the road. It's one of these Honda power washers. Um, it was unique from the point of view that was the only property taken from outside a house. But it, at, in the middle of the night, there was no one going to be wheeling uh, a Honda power washer down around a residential area. So, so somebody who was out, maybe coming off night shift, or a taxi driver, or yes. somebody out late, you know, visiting somebody may have spotted, may have seen and that. that would stick in your mind. Definitely. Somebody with a power washer that hour of the night, yeah. On the twenty fourth of July, then Patricia, again a very u- unique one. On the Townsend Street of Skibbereen, um, in the early hours of the morning, someone might have seen um, someone carrying a, a keg of beer along Townsend Street. This was after closing time and, in, and before 5.30 in the morning. So there was no one going to be delivering uh, kegs of beer at that time in the morning in Skibbereen. So again, if anyone saw anyone acting suspiciously around Townsend Street with a keg of beer put into a car or a van to contact the Gardaí in Skibbereen or Clan. Okay, we move from thefts to some criminal damage that has been reported. There's been a number of um, criminal damages incidents, uh, sadly, throughout uh, West Cork. Yes, and unfortunately, I suppose, we'll start off with in Skibbereen there on the 20th of July. On the Mill Road area of Skibbereen, there was uh, criminal damage to a window of a premises. Um, It was unusual that this was kind of a a unique premises from the point of view that there was one stone thrown and the suspect ran in the direction from the bypass. It happened at half eight in the evening. So again, it wasn't overnight. There there doesn't appear to be a a gang of youths there. It was just one person. So if anyone might have seen someone running in the direction of the bypass from the Mill Road on the 20th of July last, which would have been a Saturday evening, to contact the Gardaí in Skibbereen or in Clonakilty. Okay, damage to some cars? Yes, uh, Patricia, this seems to be um, raising its head there uh, quite a lot there over the last number of months since I've been talking to you. Um, in Clonakilty, again, in 
the residential area of Ladies Cross on the 25th of July, which would have been last Thursday, um, there was four tyres slashed on a car. Wow. Again, it's a malicious crime for someone to wake up in the morning and to see that the four car tyres in their car were slashed. Shocking. It happened overnight. Again, someone might have seen someone. It's a large residential area, so there was constantly movement of cars inside that they might have seen someone that doesn't live in the area, is a stranger to the area, and just to contact the guardian in with any information, be it a, a ridge of a car or a type of a car that they might have seen on that night. That was the 25th of July last. And unfortunately, again, there's been a number of cars that have had wing mirrors and wipers and rear windows broken. There was two cars in Glengariff on the 27th of July last um, overnight. Again, we're asking for people to contact the Gardaí in Glengariff for Bantry. And on the 28th of July, the following night, there was another two cars further damaged in Bantry Town, in the in the in streets around Bantry Town. And there was one car in McCroom in Dancorkery Place area on the 29th of July. So on the 27th, 28th and 29th of July, over over West Cork, we've had five cars. Ah, damaged. shocking. And it's, you know, it's bad enough to, for you to discover that uh, a window was smashed in because they wanted to rob something out of your car. But in these incidents, this wasn't anybody trying to steal because you left a handbag or a laptop in the back seat of the car. This is just pure vandalism. Yes, uh, uh, and it, it, it's, it's a kind of a, the lowest form of it, really, yeah. Patricia. Uh, look, whether there was an element of theft involved in it, it appears to be happening there over uh, the, the course of a weekend. So we, we were of the belief that maybe they, they might have been drink consumed and these are people acting boisterous on the way home and I suppose just carrying out a bit of criminal damage, which is un- unacceptable. And we're asking people to contact us with any information possible. In relation to people um, assisting the Gardaí, there was a number of successful detections for drugs in West Cork over the last number of weeks. And we would like to thank the communities who are continuously assisting us in keeping their community safe in the area of drug detections. Okay, well done. And there are festivals on, so there's going to be increased volumes of traffic. Yes, it's hard to believe it's the 1st of August already, Patricia, and we're in the middle. Is it officially autumn? (laughs) That's debatable now. (laughs) Some say it's the 1st of September going back to school, but... I suppose, look, at this time, this, and particularly in the month of August, it is the, the month of festivals. And because of that, and the bank holiday weekend, you have uh, an increase in the volumes of traffic. And I suppose we, we will be asking people to plan their journeys, to drive safely. There will be additional uh, checkpoints throughout the Cork West Division and throughout the country in relation to drink driving and driving under the influence of an intoxicant. And there will also be additional uh, speed checkpoints for dangerous driving and speeding. So we just ask people to slow their journey, plan their journey, and be well aware that over the number of, of weeks ahead in West Cork, and in West Cork alone, this weekend we have the Balibuie Festival in Domanway, which is, draws a big crowd. We have the Barbecue Festival in Bantry, and we have the Cavs Sailing Week in Skull, and we have the Gathering of the Bandon Festival here in Bandon over the Bank Holiday weekend and for the coming week. I, there will be visitors to these events, Again, it goes without saying, plan your journey, but also be mindful of your property when you are going to these events. Unfortunately, when there is these gatherings of large crowds at these festivities, it's also, we see that the the criminal can target these areas because they know that people are going to be more relaxed. The summertime, they're on their last couple of weeks of holidays, they're chilled, they're going to these events, they might leave property in cars and other property elsewhere. We're just asking people to be mindful and to be responsible for their property and um, 
to enjoy the weekend, but to be have a very safe weekend and, and secure their property throughout it. Okay, listen, uh, we leave it there. Thank you for that, uh, James. Uh, have a lovely week and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks a million. Bye bye. That is Sergeant James O'Donovan, uh, based at Bandon Garda Station. I've just seen a text in to say I was driving behind a tractor for three miles yesterday evening. Plenty of spaces to pull in and the driver of the tractor did not pull in. And there's a lot of farmers listening to us uh, today and have been for the last couple of days because we've been featuring the protest in Banda. So if any of them are listening and you are out and about driving and will be out and about driving later on, will you be conscious and aware of the cars building up behind you, please, and pull in where it is safe to do it. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed lots of calls uh, coming into the programme and before I get to them I just want to give a quick mention to a set of traffic lights that there is a problem with. We were getting calls in about the lights at the Central Statistics Office Junction that's in Black Rock. They've gone out of sync and they're showing hard red the whole time. Now it seems motorists have realised that there's a problem with the lights and that they, so they're going through the red light but there are serious tailbacks because obviously everybody's, everyone's approaching the junction very slowly the Gardaí have been informed and the council are en route uh, to the site and hopefully that will get sorted out uh, sooner rather than later um, OK and also a call in uh, when we talked about the Briary Gap in McCroom in the last hour Mora in McCroom like well I was making the point certainly people in the McCroom uh, and surrounding areas will be thrilled to hear that there's now a plan in place and that we're about to the council are about to go to put into tender getting a contractor and please God by January work should begin on the Briary Gap Theatre get it refurbished up and running open again and it'll be between 12 and 15 months Maura has an issue though she says I don't know why they're changing the character of the Briary Gap there's no need to change the front of the Briary Gap what they are going to do is out of character for the town now I can't comment because I haven't seen what they're actually going to do. I know they're doing more than just doing it up. They're adding to it. I mean, we heard from uh, Ted Lucy today, Councillor Ted Lucy, it's going to be a bigger theatre, it's going to be fully wheelchair uh, accessible and they're adding on to it, which I think is very welcome. I didn't realise the front of it is changing. According to Maura it is. And she certainly thinks it is out of character for the town. Because certainly the facade of the Barry Gap is lovely. It really is uh, lovely. As I say, unless I can someone get a picture of it to me or I'll see this afternoon if I can track down what are the actual plans for it and how much of the uh, outside of it is actually uh, changing. Thank you for your call though, Maura, to uh, 1850 Talking to calls, can you keep your calls co- coming please, particularly if you've got a pet question because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will join us this hour so if there's something wrong with one of the animals in your house. Get uh, your questions in. You can text or WhatsApp as well. 86 103. And before I go back to still more calls in about the farmers' protest, can I reference the what happened yesterday with Tusla being called in by the Oroctus Committee? It was the Children's Committee called them in uh, yesterday. Now, this day last week, actually, we were talking about the RTE Investigates programme and people were absolutely shocked by what they had witnessed the previous night. And then Sean Sherlock, Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock, actually joined us in the studio. It was on the Friday last week. And uh, he was saying that he was going to that. He's a part of that 
committee, the Children's uh, Committee, and uh, he said he was going to raise some of the concerns that were raised on this uh, programme. But the big one was it was Tusk that were in and they've admitted that they are powerless to force the immediate closure of creches when with poor standards and could offer no guarantee that the disturbing practices we as a nation witnessed at the chain of creches in Dublin, they could give no guarantees that that won't happen again. The Child and Family Agency conceded that its inspections are unlikely to catch the kind of behaviour that was witnessed at the hide-and-seek uh, creches by the undercover reporters. That really worries me. And TDs and senators were told that Tusla relies on childcare staff whistleblowers to raise concerns and the whole issue, one of my big issues and one of the, my thing I get in a soapbox every now and again, why can't we have CCTV installed in places like uh, creches? That was raised and actually Tulsa actually said it was an obvious uh, solution. But isn't it shocking to think that they are relying on childcare staff whistleblowers? And last week when we were discussing what had been on the programme, we had been contacted by a number of childcare workers and they who were raising concerns that they had had in the past, you know, when they had worked, either they're working now or have been working in the past. And when we asked them, had they reported their concerns, they said no, that they were fearful of reporting because of what it would do for their careers going forward. And, and it led me to say we're not very good in this country about how we look after whistleblowers and then to hear that Tusla are saying well that's how we find out about it we are dependent on whistleblowers so, so that would worry me that there's more such cases as we saw in Dublin at the hide and seek creches but we just don't have people coming forward to act as whistleblowers so Fine Gael Senator Catherine Noon asked if Tusla were in favour of making CCTV compulsory in all creches Tusla said that the videoing of children in itself is a child protection risk. They said it would need huge safeguards uh, as well, even though it is the obvious solution. And I'm thinking if it needs huge safeguards and it is the obvious solution, then put in the safeguards. Do whatever needs to be done, but put in the CCTV. Now, I know there's there's so many different arguments and I've been reading all the arguments all morning. There's lots of different commentary in the papers today and I'm reading all the arguments about why why we shouldn't have CCTV and I swear to God I can't find one that would make me change my mind to say yeah you're right I was completely wrong on my suggestion with CCTV some are saying that it is uh, this is Catherine Dr Catherine O'Keefe she's a data she's with a data protection firm she says it would be seen as disproportionately invasive and that workers have privacy uh, rights and absolutely accept that workers have privacy rights but if workers are doing their job correctly they shouldn't it shouldn't bother them that there are cameras on lots of people go to work and they're being recorded all of the time right it might be streamed live on the internet but it certainly is being recorded I mean you go into a supermarket anywhere you're out in the street and there's cameras all over the place we're, we're being recorded no matter where we go we go um, so you know I accept there are privacy rights but I think if I was a childcare worker doing my job above and beyond the call of duty I'd want people to see it as one listener last week pointed out to us 
who said it was a nurse who said she'd love to be videotaped all the time so that her managers could see how much she works and, and how well she's working. So I do think, you know, you can come up with every argument, but you can also come up with solutions. And obviously one of the other arguments is the safety image and the security of the footage not being good enough, especially in a situation where it's suggested that parents could access a live stream of the CCTV footage. So put the systems in place to protect it. You know, people are talking about it could end up on, on the dark web and all of that, but make it safe because as we heard from one of our listeners last week whose grandchild is going to a crash that does have CCTV. So there are crashes that already have CCTV in operation and they allow parents to log on during the day so you can see what your little fella or little one is up to. And I read a piece in the, I think it was in the Irish Times uh, today they spoke with a young couple by the name of uh, the Currens, Philip and Catherine Curran and they have two little boys who go to a childcare facility in Artane in Dublin. Seamus is four and Finnegan is two. And the childcare facility they go to the reason that the Kearns, this family, decided to pick it was when they hadn't considered CCTV, but when they saw it was there and that it was accessible online all the time, they said, literally, that sealed the deal. They said, this is the creche for us. So their two little boys go off to creche every day, happy as Larry, and both mum and dad say they regularly log in to see what they're up to. Uh, one of the parents said it's more of a comfort than anything else to be able to see them and what they're doing throughout the day. And the way it works is that parents are given secure passwords to log onto the system and you can see through any of the multiple cameras. There are several rooms catering for various ages of children from babies right up to preschool. Cameras are obviously not in the changing rooms and they're not in the kitchen obviously either but then the children are not in the uh, kitchen. And they can log on and just, you know, throughout the day and both mum and dad say they do that, that they... uh, And I thought it was lovely in this piece. Philip, the dad, says that he he always tries to log in to watch his wife go to collect the children because he said it's just wonderful to see their reaction you know when mammy comes through the door and it's the end end of the day and the excitement of that but they both say that it's great just to check up during the day say oh there they are doing their arts and crafts and oh look what they're doing now and they're playing and oh he's playing really nicely with him and, and it's just it's a comfort thing It's a com- and they said that they're not they're not necessarily checking up to see that the staff are doing their job right they see, the, they see it more as a comfort blanket and been able to know that their child is happy and once again see absolutely nothing wrong with it bring it on is what I say bring it on okay back to our farmers protest and what people are saying James and Mitchell's time was on to say I agree 150% not 100% he's 150% behind the farmers who are protesting he said they're great people to stand up for themselves and for other farmers he says it's a shame that the IFA are not more vocal we have too many dairy cows too many calves and it's causing beef pardon the pun elsewhere Michael in Middleton says I think what the farmers are doing is fantastic and I'll be joining them on the protest Okay, Michael I listened to Dennis that farmer yesterday speaking on the comment line to Patricia who got really upset when he was talking I think that meat factory owners the Minister for Agriculture and the government should all be made to listen to that interview with Dennis because if nothing else it just shows the strain that beef farmers are going through I know what it's like to wake up in the morning knowing you're going to get more calls to pay bills and bills that you simply cannot afford to pay. Goodness me. 
that really is living under such, such strain. And some of your texts in, uh, Patricia, I fully agree with Mike, one of your earlier callers, asking where are the IFA and where is Minister Michael Creed? They don't give a toss about rural Ireland and the struggles that so many farmers are going through. It feels like we've been stabbed in the back for years. All they want is everywhere planted with trees. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code program. Which have poisoned our waterways, planted by businessmen, by the way, not the rural farmers. They want farmers wiped out and all they want in rural areas is it to be full of flora and fauna. And Tim says, Trish, this crisis is due to the reckless policy of, inc- of increasing the dairy herd by 60%. The greedy big dairy farmers want to gobble up beef farmers' land. And Dan uh, says the IFA uh, seem to always side with the company. I'm assuming this is the factories, is it? All the time. They don't give one damn about the members. They take their money every week. No problem, though, says uh, Dan. OK, that's some of your thoughts and comments coming into the programme. We are looking for pet questions, please. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp your pet questions to 862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie The Irish Blood Transfusion Service are holding a donor clinic there in the community centre in Riverstick between 6pm and 9pm tonight. Castle Towns and Maritime Week continues over the bank holiday weekend with guided walks, music sessions and lots more. 
and a cleaner is wanted for this weekend in Lep for two hours on Sunday and two hours on uh, Monday. 086 Palafahan Bingo is on every Friday night. It's on tomorrow night, 8 o'clock in the community centre. 5,000 euro jackpot every night with a guaranteed payout of over 4,000 euro. Proceeds are going to the upkeep of the hall. As part of Connor Street Fair, road restrictions will be in place in Connor Village this Saturday and Sunday between 5pm and 11pm each day. And it's to facilitate the street fair. Please check road signs for alternative routes. And the music from Marie fundraising concert in aid of Sudden Adult Death Ireland will be held in Knocknagree Church next Sunday with music, song and dance by three in a row All-Ireland champions, the Shandrum Cayley Band, a night of celebration and remembrance of Marie Collins, who passed away in January of 2018. Just on the Briary Gap, Margaret McCroom was on and she says she thinks the most important issue about the refurbishment of the Briary Gap Theatre is that it is safe. The old building, explains Margaret, had an outside lift this is for obviously people who are in wheelchairs or mobility issues which had to be accessed by climbing a hill. It's important that it's made accessible to the disabled and to the elderly and, and that is one thing that they are very adamant about Margaret and it is one very major part of the plan that it is going to be fully wheelchair accessible and obviously if it's fully wheelchair accessible it'll make it very accessible for for uh, older people as well so that certainly is good news. We were discussing fuel and the price of fuel. Somebody was contacted us earlier when we were talking about the farmers issue and was making the point why is it that we in rural Ireland always seem to pay more for our fuel than they do in urban areas and the caller had lots of examples of how fuel was more expensive in the bigger towns than it was versus the more rural areas. Dennis was listening. Dennis said he saw, uh, this is unleaded petrol, he saw unleaded petrol on sale in Clonakilty on Saturday for €1.32 and he said he was in Kinsale yesterday and he saw unleaded petrol for €1.50. Whoa! I have not seen petrol or diesel on sale for €1.50 I think ever. Anyway, Dennis said he spotted it in Kinsey. Isn't that a huge difference? That's nearly 20 cent per litre of a difference. If you're getting a full fill of petrol, just think how much extra that would actually cost you. And then Leo was on to us to say in Balance Spittle, you can get, uh, I don't know if this is unleaded or diesel, I'm assuming it's unleaded, is it? For 134. Yeah, the average seemed to be about that 134, 135. You'll get it slightly cheaper some places, slightly more, but that seems to be the average. But certainly that's a massive difference from one €1.32 to €1.50. It's according to Dennis between Clonakilty and uh, Kinsale and uh, towns that are not very uh, far apart. Uh, been asked to mention that bingo is going to be held in the Friary in Kinsale tomorrow night, Friday at 8 o'clock and it's in aid of the Friary Restoration in Kinsale. People want to go along there 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Now the shaky bridge is set to be restored at a cost of £1.7 million. The works are due to begin during the week of August 12th and they're expected to be finished Easter of next year. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran went down to the Shaky Bridge and she was speaking to some people on the bridge this uh, week about the plans and how they feel about the bridge being restored, including local historian Kieran 
McCarthy. We heard it was uh, getting work done to it, so we said we'd give it one last shake before we go on our holidays. It reminds me of my childhood coming here with my mum and dad, and yeah, my dad just shake it and we all think we'd fall off, you know. So <laughs> I was doing that with the kids now today as well. <laughs> and what did you think of it? Um, I thought it was really fun, but I thought it was a little bit scary in the middle when it started shaking. <laughs> and then we saw that there was like holes in some of the bits, and I thought it was going to fall. Were you scared? Eh, uh, yes! And then I was asking her, how deep is it? We didn't want to go swimming today, should we? Didn't. They should keep it, the suspension bridge, they should keep it the same, just do it up and make it sturdier. Scary. Because <laughs> you think it's going to fall, but it's not. Yeah. Are you scared of it too? Well, it's kind of like, it's scary at first, but then when you realise that it's actually not going to fall, it's actually okay. But it's kind of funny to see, well, Rebecca, she always like, whenever you like shake the bridge, she always gets really scared. So do you jump on it on purpose when she's gone over it? Yeah. Just to... <laughs> and where are you guys from? Belgium. Yeah, it's mainly, um, I've studied in Limerick a few years ago and we visited Cork and I remembered this bridge. So that's why I dragged her here <laughs> and I wanted to see it again because it's, I don't know, it's very romantic. <laughs> <laughs> and you remember it from being here a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently that's the only thing I actually remember from Cork. <laughs> this and some of the bars. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this bridge, yeah. Fantastic. And what did you think of it today? Yeah, no, it's really nice. Um, it's my first time in, in Cork. So we're touring around now with the car. So it was the first stop on our tour. But I'm glad we stopped here. So it was really nice. Nice city as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it was built in 1926, opened in 1927. Um so, yes, the facts are there, but, I mean, this bridge was actually, I suppose, the inspiration or the brainchild of a guy called James Daly, and he was a butter merchant, and he actually wanted to, give, he wanted to fund access from Sunday as well uh, to the rugby pitches of the Mardyke, uh, and also kind of the, I suppose, Fitzgerald's Park it just, had just been opened, we say, 20 years. Fitzgerald's Park opened in 1906 as a public park. Um, and so, basically, James Daly would have worked with Stephen Farrington, the city engineer at the time, uh, under the city manager, Philip Monaghan to develop this structure and then they actually employed an engineering company in Westminster in London, Rowell and Company who did a lot of suspension bridges so actually when you Wikipedia Rowell and Company you find there are many other uh, shaky bridges out there, many other dailies bridge out there, bridges that actually look like this, um, so it's got a really interesting history probably of all the bridges in the city though, this is probably the most affectionate one uh, in terms of people when they walk across this bridge they automatically jump up and down as you can see here kind of behind us um, but if you look very, very carefully, I mean, there's a lot of rust on this bridge. I mean, it, it needs massive repair. Um, so the, the work this morning, I suppose the announcement this morning at 1.7 million euros is actually most welcome uh, money, for, money as well with the City Council and the Department of Transport, Tourism and Sport. Um, I mean, they're going to take down every single spar here and actually treat it and repair it, um, and take it away and actually put it back. And there are many iron spars and many kind of iron beams. This is a massive repair job. So, I mean, they're going to take this bridge off-site um, from uh, next month, August, mid-August uh, and all the way to Easter 2020 so summer, April and May we'll have a, a shiny brand new emerging um, there has been a lot of concerns maybe the shake will be actually taken away from it um, so we'll have to see Oh, it would be awful if they took the shake away from it, wouldn't it? As as Kieran McCarthy local uh, historian who's just a mine of uh, information 
and that's just to wish the shaky bridge the best of luck as they but the work has to be done it would be a shame to leave it uh, corroded away the way you know the way it's rusting away so it's a, it is a good news uh, story even though I already uh, can see somebody by text saying I cannot believe they're spending that much money to restore a bridge but when it's all shiny and new and back in place Easter of next year I think people will forget about the money that was spent uh, on it 1.7 million a euro 1850 keep your pet questions coming please uh, because Jane Pickett is going to be joining us if you have a pet question you can get it into us um, either into John Paul and the phones were quite busy earlier on and people were trying to get through our apologies but if you want to text or WhatsApp you can to 0862 103103. Mike is in Blarney, joins me on the comment line. Good afternoon to you, uh, Mike. Hi, Patricia, how are you doing? I'm, I'm very well. You're reacting to the caller who texted in earlier to say they were behind a tractor for three miles yesterday evening, plenty of room to pull in, and the driver never pulled in. You are a, you drive a tractor, you are a farming contractor. Quite correct. Do you and pull in all the time? Well, you see, for the G, pull in, yes. Would you pull in? Uh, pull in for some people. Like I was just telling your man there that I was coming back to Clary Road the evening, and there was about just a nice few streets on that. And I pulled in and slowed down inside into the lane, and it was the fifth car that came out. Like you know, they're behind. There's still one goat. Some people would have to stop the tractor, come out, go back to asking, "Do you mind, please, pull out?" When I pulled in, it just won't go out, Patricia. You know. We're, we're sick of the days of saying that we had to pull in. Like I was just saying to man, then one night I was in a bit of a hurry and I was behind bicycles for six miles of the road. You know, are they not supposed to pull in for us, really? Like, you know, and most tracks yeah. are north of 50k. Like, I mean, there's people just won't pass out. They're afraid of their life. And they have about two feet to spare. They won't pass out. They won't, you know. And I suppose because you have to get from A to B, you can't pull in every time one car comes in behind you. Oh, quite correct, quite correct. And there's, and we slow down. Oh, we don't want to hold up nobody. And I mean, you know, even in your carriage radio, you know, I wouldn't go inside. You, inside. you can't go inside and have shoulder because you know how it disappears to sh- here and there. And my God, if you were to pull out and have an accident, you're there for the whole day and someone in trouble. In the grand, to keep going straight. You know, I'm just saying. But I, and, and all roads around here should you, you just be no idea. But it just kind of vexes me when I hear people. I say, know. And what? And- <laughs> Why do you think people are slow to overtake you when you do pull in? Because they're not trained, I say, to our road. They just won't go. You know, the, you, you, if you meet, in all due fairness of respect, if you meet a farmer's wife or a contractor's wife, my God, you'll pass them out. They've got in over the way, they're inside the dike. There's people here, like, they're off the dike about two or three feet. Mm. They will give, give you a metre a meter <laughs> room, but just wait to meet a lot together. And are you busy at the moment? We're outside, it's not Patricia at the very moment. Yeah. So like we, we, want, we want to be careful. We just say people like that. You know, if we pull in and there's like Betty Clyro and now the other day I was coming back from Tesla with a lot of wrong bales and yes, there was pictured over in place and cats pull out and they blow on, give you the fingers and like we're doing the best we can. You can as you say you can you can't be pulling you can't pull into a person's gateway like I don't I know, know, I know. Yeah, I think no, I like, I don't know. Are we all just gone? too busy and we're all just about ourselves and we have to get to such and such a place in a given time. Have we all just lost patience? I quite, I quite, I quite agree with you and I have to agree with you myself. I wouldn't be a great patient man either, like, but <laughs> you know, I, I just refer to the time, like, we do pull in and we do give people the chance, but, like, even the last day now, like, I mean, you know, if I see a truck behind me, 
certainly I'll give that truck priority because he needs a bit of speed and a bit of yeah. time to go. But there's cars there for this shit, honey, and that God, they, they, they should be gone, like. I mean, you you know, you see a bit of a straight and you know what they're going to make. Well, drive on, that's what the track is for, really, like. You know, and get out of the way, that's behold you up to. So there was a camper van behind me the other day, and I was, the man hadn't the pole to boast either, like. Yeah. But there's no good blonde horn in me either, because it's not up for him to boast, and they wouldn't go. Someone else, someone else is agreeing with you. They're a tractor driver as well. Can't understand why people are giving out. And then when people do overtake, they don't even salute you by way of a thank you. Can I say it's something I always do? Do you like people to acknowledge that? Thanks a million for that. Oh my God, you can't understand how someone gives you the flashes. They respect you for doing it. Yeah. These two fingers and this horn blowing, like we, you know, tractors today are different from Longo. We're carrying big trailers, and you know what. We need to be in a room too, like. we got to work. We're, it's for a business. We're doing it. We're not doing it for a holiday. And what's your top speed when you're out on the road? Oh, around... Well, we, well, we try to keep around the 40 kilometres, yeah, right? Yeah, OK. Yeah, yeah you're and, still and moving. Our, and, and our own roads we do, about 30. We're, we're not road hog drivers at all. We want to keep our business running all day, every day. We are no damage. We want to, want to hold up anybody either. But we pull in. We'd like to be the go. Not to have you... You know, and you put on your left hand in the care when there's a straight path road. Some people think you, you're coming in the gap or something, they won't go. We'll let you get back to work. Listen, I appreciate your call. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks, Mick. Bye-bye. Mick and Blarney there. Be nice to the farming contractors out driving on their tractors. They're trying to do hard days, honest hard days job and they're doing the best that they can and they pull in whenever they can, according to uh, Mick. And I'm wondering, uh, I do think Mick has a point, though, um, some people are nervous about overtaking you know if you're behind if you're on a very narrow stretch and the the contractor pulls in to let you overtake some people are nervous I've seen it I've been in a line of cars and you can, you're wondering why the first and the second car won't overtake and usually it's because somebody's just a bit nervous about it if they don't know the road or if it's a narrow uh, road and that then is going to add to the delays of the cars further back and everybody's getting annoyed And but just I'm wondering have we just have we lost our patience are we just all so impatient what, what is it about that we have to get somewhere so quickly it's not going to make, you know, if you are genuinely held up as that listener who complained today for three miles. I mean, for three miles, realistically, it wasn't that they were held up behind a tractor for a four hour drive, you know, the whole way from Dublin to Cork and they couldn't overtake the tractor driver and we tra- motored down at 30 kilometres or miles an hour. Do you know what I mean? It was only three miles. I'm just wondering is, you know, do we need to all sort of lighten up a bit and realise if we are going to be delayed we'll only be slightly delayed we're not going to be it's not that you're going to be hours late and do we have to just be polite to others on the road and given the two fingers it's just not the way to go is it 1850 333103 John Paul taking your calls text to WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and we are turning our attention to pets please if you've got a question for Jane call text or email Patricia at c103.ie Thousands of you tune in to C103 every day Now you can win thousands of euros Thousands of euros I want it all 
The latest radio audience ratings show 244,000 people listen to Cork's 96FM and C103 every week. Source JNLR, Ipsos, MRBI 2019 2. So to celebrate, Simon's Celebrity Seas will now play across the entire day. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. Our way of saying thanks for listening. Tune in to win from Tuesday morning at 6am on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins me. Good afternoon to you. Hi there. And you are very welcome. Get your questions in 1850-333-103. I know the phone lines were busy earlier and we missed a, a number of calls, so our apologies, particularly if they were pet questions. Do try again. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Let me start with some that have come in by text. This, I have a funny, we spoke about Cushing's, didn't we? Disease, we did, yeah. I think, yes. I think this is a follow-on to that. Mary says, if Cushing's is not treated. How bad does it get? I have a Jack Russell, 15 years of age, drinking lots of water, mm-hmm. wetting, panting and a bit horsey cough. I gave him a spoon of honey, which actually eased the cough. Mm-hmm. Looking for advice, please. So if, if let's say we do have a dog that has confirmed Cushing disease, I would say if it's at all, let's say, financially possible, treatment really is is the best thing for their quality of life. Because I suppose like ourselves, they might not know what's going on physically. They might not know they have a disease, but they're seeing kind of the symptoms that they're experiencing. So that endless thirst, the endless peeing, the panting. um, They also have a lot of weight distribution. So their muscle mass begins to break down. It becomes fat. So we always think of these cushingoid dogs with big flabby bellies and very little muscle mass. And that's that's not through any fault of their own or through any lack of activity. It's just the body's body's way of responding to too much stress hormone in the system. That's what it does. So I would say it can cause some problems, let's say, ongoing knock-on effects on the liver and kidney certainly so recommend I would always recommend treatment but even from a quality of life point of view if treatment is financially possible I would definitely say is treatment expensive it's 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 medication it's normally medication with a tablet to be honest it depends on the size of dog you have but also what level of tablet they end up on because like you and me we might need two very different doses of the same medication depending on our weight but also our response to that medication. And medication works? Medication works really well with resolving symptoms in most dogs. Great. Um, good okay. response. Yeah. Alright now some questions in and these are more behaviour issues that start with Dan. Could you please ask your vet Jane why does my neighbour's Pomerarian have a romantic set on my leg whenever I visit? It's very embarrassing <laughs> and it's actually getting quite tiresome says Dan. Uh, Dan. Now you've got two questions. Well, one question for is the dog neutered is the first one, isn't yeah, it? I, yeah, I would wonder if if the okay, dog is neutered. Okay, if it isn't neutered, will neutering help? If it isn't neutered, yes, I would say it would certainly be helpful. Whether it eliminates, let's say, the romantic fancies that he keeps taking is, is difficult to say. So it is a bit challenging. Um, we know that unneutered, intact male dogs, they have certain requirements and drives and they will maybe want to take romantic turn to a leg or a pillow or the sofa or whatever they see in front of them and there's very little you can do to stop them and in the end of the day they're kind of doing nobody any harm okay but I do understand it's it's really frustrating Mm. and I think particularly if there's younger members of your family around it can be particularly awkward yeah um castrating can sometimes help because Mm. it will let it calm down the testosterone within the system reduce it a little bit so there should be a little bit less drive for the the little fella to want to you know exert any romantic feelings he has onto objects 
But what I would say is if he's, let's say, a mature male, so if he's over a year or two or sometimes even older and he's not castrated yet, even if he's castrated, there is a possibility that he may still have these behaviours. And that's mainly because there's there's two aspects to it. One is the hormones and the drive within the body and castration can definitely help with that. So it may reduce the behavior or even eliminate it. But if it's something he's learned to do already, it's what we call a learned behavior. So it means that if he's already got into the habit of doing these things, he may just continue to persist doing them whether or not he's castrated or not. Um, this is one of the reasons I always advise in a young puppy, let's say, I would always advise castrating them, provided you don't want to use them as a breeding dog, between six and eight months of age. Okay. Because it's kind of before they hit the teenage stage and start learning habits. about all of these yeah. things. So you can get in there and castrate him so there's a reduced level of testosterone and he doesn't have the urge to exhibit these behaviours in the first place. So they never become ingrained in his personality, mm. as it were. So I think it's a very complicated one. I think castrating is a good thing to do for other reasons as well. It reduces their risk of testicular cancer because there's no testicles there. It also reduces their risk of prostate disease later in life. So it's a good thing Lots to do regardless. But as for behaviour, it's a bit of a tricky one. Okay, It's just a bad habit. It's and a this, bad habit. This is another one that sounds like a bad habit. Uh, Dick says, good afternoon, uh, Patricia. Could you please ask uh, Jane, what is so fascinating about dogs rubbing their necks on poo that they find when we're out on a walk. What is it? Why do they do it? Why do they insist on rubbing it along their their neck? It stinks to high heaven. I am with you there. This is one of the most frustrating things ever and I'll tell you I have two of my dogs at home. The third one is an absolute angel never rose in fox poo or anything like that but two of them, Margot and Sally, are endlessly doing this. My own personal record for having to shampoo fox poo off my dogs is three times in one day. Oh! It's really frustrating. Now, as for an answer as to why they do it, it's it's not something I'm particularly aware of. A lot of the time they'll just find an exciting smell and want to roll in it because they feel like they're one with nature. As for, let's say, a behavioural drive to do it, I assume it goes back to the time when dogs were once wild, some kind of protective mechanism, I would assume. But as for an exact reason, I don't know. So it isn't it isn't just a bad habit. It's just something. Oh, they it's, really just seem to love it. Yeah. Like from my own dogs is fox poo, but I know a lot of other people struggle with lots of other stinky uh, things that they can find outside. And of course, if you're outside. out for a walk, unless you've got them permanently on a lead. Exactly. And they'll find it. Oh, they will. They they'll have, find they, it and they'll they come back They have such looking. a nose for it. Uh, hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Jane, would she have any suggestion to keep cats out of my garden? They're not my cats. They're the neighbours. Mm bit of a challenge um, make sure it's well fenced but as we all know cats are really good at jumping and balancing on fences so usually any obstacle is not enough for them um, I would assume by the sound of it this caller doesn't have their own animals or their own cat that it's causing a disruption with I assume it's just wandering around the garden maybe leaving presents in places it shouldn't mm. um, you can get sprays that you can put on let's say flower beds etc that can make it smell quite nasty for them so they won't want to do their business there they won't want to pee and poo um, I have heard of some people using let's say in garden stationary ultrasound waves so they make a, a noise that's undetectable to human hearing but might be let's say within a frequency that a dog or cat can hear and might be a deterrent Okay. Um, so there's lots of things like that how effective they are is really dependent on how persistent the cat is Yeah. Um, but it is a challenge and I, I 
my heart goes out to you because it, it can be really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, have, I have cats that wander through my garden. They use it as a shortcut, but I'm yeah. a cat lover, so they don't yeah. do any harm I, and I have to go. But the flip side of it is if you have got cats there, they're knocking around your house maybe a little bit and they might be quite good ratters or micers. Well, and, actually, you a know, few weeks ago, in fairness, when, when people were giving out about cats being around somebody's house, uh, a neighbour's cats were around, uh, we got a number of people who contacted to say, be thankful if you've got cats in, in your area mm. because they'll keep down the mice and the rat population so That's there is true. there is a plus side to having cats call coming to visit Sheila says I've got a 20 month old Maltesian Maltese is I'm assuming yeah, that's yeah it's um, Maltese Cavachon cross they usually are okay yeah. beautiful looking, beautiful looking dog <laughs> beautiful very yeah. fuzzy very yeah. cute now they have an odour before they are neutered from their urine uh, it's to do with marking their territory but the problem is I've had him neutered but the odour is still there even after neutering. Do you know about this odour? To be honest, it's a bit of a difficult one. We do know that, let's say, entire male dogs, so uncastrated male dogs, can have slightly different chemicals in their urine, but most of them aren't to do with smell. So some of them are, let's say, things called bilirubin um, that we can find in the urine, which is just a, a, an alteration in the way we metabolise things that are made by our, our liver. Um, I don't think it's really necessarily something that's to do with castration. We know certainly in male cats, so tom cats, there's definitely a nasty smell before they're they're castrated and it does disappear. But with dogs, it doesn't seem to be the same thing. I suppose the question is, there's a few things that could be going on here. It could just be that your dog has maybe a, a urine smell that isn't so pleasing. Yeah. The second thing could be there might be something medical that might be causing a really bad odor to the urine. So sometimes we find if dogs have a urinary tract infection um, or another disease underlying it that might be causing some problems, they can have particularly smelly urine. So I would say if if it's of concern to you, um, I will pop a little urine sample into your vet and just get them to check it out. And um, we can do some very basic tests in-house. They can give us quite a quick answer, just making sure that there's nothing up with the urine. Um, provided your dog is happy, healthy, active and acting normally. And if the urine comes back normal, I would suggest it's probably just a funny urine smell. And whether it has very much to do with, let's say, an entire or neutered male, I, I would say probably not. OK. Yeah. Uh, John was on, uh, this is by uh, call to John Paul saying, does Jane know anything about something called, he says it's called poppy stem. It's given to young puppies when they're born. Do you know anything about it? I've done a Google, I can't find it on poppy stem. I found something called poppy stim, S-T-I-M. If that's I a, don't know. No. No, it's not it's, a product I've come across a, now. It might be under a different name that I might have dealt with, well, but it's not This something. poppy stim is... Um, a probiotic rich complementary food which stimulates small weak underweight newborn mm. puppies I don't know if that's what they're talking about but I can't find anything else called a puppy stem well if it's something stem. like that then yeah we there are numerous products on the market that would let's say be high energy supplements I suppose the one thing I would be worried about is um, unless you're encountering problems with a set of pups unless you see that they have let's say a clinical problem in which case I would advise visit your vet ASAP because puppies have very little in the way of let's say body weight reserves and they can't regulate their own temperature so when a puppy gets sick they get sick very quickly but um, usually if if the mother the pup we, yeah. we assume that the, the mother dog is there she has all the milk she and the nutrients and I yeah. think really nature is best left alone if at all possible um, if we start supplementing things where it's unnecessary now if it's necessary and under veterinary direction that's a whole different kettle of fish but Unless it's necessary, it's best to leave everything alone because particularly with puppies, if we start interfering with their diet, their, let's say, digestive tracts are very, very kind of 
not mature at that point in time and they need routine and the best routine they can get is their mother's milk if we start interfering with that too much we can make them too runny so give them diarrhea which can Mm. be really really disastrous in a young puppy because they don't have much hydration reserve and can become dehydrated and very ill very quickly Um, or it can go the other way and we can kind of bung them up give them constipation and again that's a really really big problem because it causes an awful lot of tummy pain in those pups and they don't tend to thrive as well so I would think unless you have a clinical problem in which case, visit your vet. Best, best stay Leave away from alone. these things. And you yeah. know, when you see and hear of a large litter, I saw a Dalmatian on a Facebook the other day, mm. and the puppies. I was just, I, I don't know, did she have nineteen pups or something? Oh my goodness! Will, will they also have enough milk? Does, does nature kind yeah, of balance at, itself at out? At that point, possibly not. No, no. Yeah, but that, that would be an that, unusual that case. That would be a really unusual yeah. case. If those things, okay, if if something like that occurs, then there are solutions to which your vet will be able to help you with. There are actually, let's say, formula milks um, available for both cat and dogs that are as near as we can get to, a, you know, a, a mother's milk, as it were, from a dog that will be, you know, feasible to supplement with. But again, if you don't need it, it's best yeah. just to leave it alone. OK, yeah. and just very briefly, I know a number of calls in with the mild, humid weather that we're having. People talking about their dogs drinking more. And is mm. that OK? To I be, think that's to fine. Be expected? Uh, to be expected. Yeah. I think as long as they're otherwise well in themselves, just make sure they have lots of fresh water available. Um, dogs are very good at hi- like managing their own hydration I think a lot better than I am certainly yeah. anyway um, if they're thirsty they'll drink they'll maintain their hydration really well so I wouldn't worry at all as long as they're otherwise well in themselves Yeah but constantly yeah. have the water available Absolutely. for them isn't, 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 that, mm. isn't that the thing because I know the last time when we had a very warm spell we had people saying that they thought their dogs were, were not drinking enough exactly. this is the opposite today <laughs> Okay we leave it there listen uh, thank you for that uh, enjoy your bank holiday weekend and uh, we will talk to you again next Thursday that's Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, which is part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara. Uh, Nick is next. We're back with you tomorrow at 10. Laura Gaelga, RC 103. Rugg Nirev on Tenum David Bowie in Usadge on Tamar Fod. Du Sache Ziggy Stardust in Aduk Shakudo. August in Norira by a David Jones at Anum Ear. Akdaharig She Egg di David Bowie. Marvi David Jones Ella Partuk in San Vanakiol the Monkeys. Nervi David Kugli in Daig Dish. Husik She Bonakiol Arvanum the Conrads. Cred no Nakred vi She Cardula Elton John. Duncan Jones, Club Lauer in an anor. Forshe Bosla Halsha in the anor, Goblinohin. Kailan Sail, Kyotor Untuk Amok and Lashin. A Blora Gwelga is Mishapodji de Pertun, O Gwelskal Hamasta Vishmala. Seekade as a three Kirkig. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.